All right, let's get started. Welcome back to Call and Shots. I am Seth Partner, your host. I am joined today by my friend, uh, sometimes antagonist, although without Andy here, not really antagonist. I think Andy Andy is the spiky one. Uh, but from uh, playback in the Lakers <laughs> pod, uh, Sam Esfandiari. Sam, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing, Seth? I'm doing all right. Uh, I, I had I had dental work today, but other than that, we're 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 fine. We're recovered. We're, we are no longer numb. Uh-huh. Ooh. See, I've been I've been delaying. Um, well, long story short, I'm, I'm delaying the inevitable, which is probably just what you just had happen. Anyway, yeah, yeah, bad times. Um, so speaking of pulling teeth, no, that's terrible. Um, we 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 did your pod over the weekend, and we talked a little bit about the the Warriors kind of the weird home road splits, which have actually even even over even before we talked about it had started to balance out a little bit. And they had a right. nice win in in Oklahoma City last night. And um, I'm, first of all, I, I'm interested in what you think about that game. Uh, uh, Mo and I started doing we're doing that game for playback, and we switched off to af, off of it after the first quarter because the the Warriors were basically blowing their doors off. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was going to say I feel like that game is like a nice summation of where the team is at. Um, you're seeing signs of them coming together. Um, Steph is still absolutely amazing and can control a game with the best of them. And you also see some of the flaws that were there, uh, were not there last year, namely uh, depth and just kind of like overall athleticism. Uh, So I thought that it was both on display, but like the big thing that's different now versus early in the year, um, the starters, are just doing a better job of kind of controlling the game. Uh, not just Steph, but like Draymond's kind of in his peak Draymondy form and Clay Thompson's come around. So I, don't, they, I, I would, I would consider it all in all positive. So I have to ask you about it because this is something that, that, uh, that is, we, we've talked about a nerder some and, and oh, appeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like them starting Jordan Poole. Um, <laughs> I, I, we we may have talked about this earlier, but I don't I like play your five best players. Kevon Looney is one of their five best players. Why am I wrong? Um, I don't think you're wrong, and I think Steve Kerr on some level agrees with you because he has not closed Jordan Poole the last two games. Uh, very interesting. He went with like Looney or Dante Divincenzo or both. Uh, he even had Kuminga close. Um, in certain ways so that in some ways that feels like kind of a nod to what you're saying. Like he's, he's letting it be known that um, it feels like it's a circumstance thing. There's a little politics involved Uh, in general. They want to lean into 48 minutes of Looney and Draymond at center, um, which makes sense. There's going to be some overlap moments where they play the two of them together, but I think it has more to do with that. Than, than anything else. I think they also like having an additional ball handler out there with Clay Thompson. Um, you know, in the past, it was more of like the Andre Godala type or, you know, during the, uh, the highest of glory years, the Kevin Durant type. Uh, but I do think that kind of helps Clay a little bit, find his efficiency. There's a little less of, uh, you know, Clay dribbling and, you know, try. he's going to get his shots up. So it's a question of, are they going to be good shots, right? So right. no, I do think it's, I do think it's part of that, but it it does feel like an imperfect solution. And Steve Kerr basically lets you know with this coaching, like, yeah, I may be starting it right now because it's letting us uh, 
get our offense going earlier, but I don't buy it for close games. Right. No, you're talking about them helping uh, helping Clay out with the ball handling. It reminds me of the uh, the best shooter on, on, on my team in college. Um, at one point in one game, the, our, the coach yelled at his roommate, why is Jim dribbling? He's hurting the team. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, I, I don't know why this brought that to mind, but it, it did. Um, I think – yeah, I think bringing up the one and a half 48 minutes, um, I think is a pretty good segue into really the, the topic that, that I wanted to start on uh, in earnest. Um, I think you probably agree with me that this team as constituted is not quite good enough to be a, a top level championship threat. It would take a gargantuan performance from like the core five players health wise. For, for this team to last two months of, what, a six-and-a-half, seven-man rotation in the playoffs, which is, like, really what we're talking about. Like, I do actually think that five-man unit with Looney can hang with everyone. I just – there's the realities of a 48-minute game and the culmination of two months of playoffs. And, and you know, who do you trust more right now between Dante DiVincenzo and Jordan Poole in that environment? Dante. Uh, okay, I I'm I'm surprised. I like I agree with you. I'm just surprised you went there that quickly. Um, Dante, I mean, are you surprised Dante Divincenzo has become a fan favorite in the Bay Area? Like one, he's kind of he tends to be endearing wherever he goes initially. Anyway, um, second, his game fits what the Warriors want to do like a glove. Third, this is by far the best I've ever seen him shoot the ball. So. Dante is a lot easier to cheer for when he's at 39 to 40% from three than 30%, which was part of his Milwaukee days, right? I mean, just so. the, I mean, really the, the last year after he, he came back sure. from injury, he was, I mean, I think it, it looked like he was going in a sad direction. I think he was, he was before he hurt his foot in that playoff run, he was great for the Bucks, yeah. And that was, that was a, low-key a big loss for them at the end of their first-round series. I think that that made probably made the Brooklyn series harder than it needed to be. Um, ah, so the infamous foot on the line. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, an, it, well, it's all of that. Yeah. All uh, about the feet. Other, the, other thing, uh, the other thing that makes Dante an easy choice in this one is uh, he just does a lot of the little things. Um, you know, loose balls, making the extra pass, clearly the better defender between him and Poole. And, you know, if they're going to be an imperfect team, I'd rather try to surround Steph and Clay with guys who can defend and kind of fill the gaps and just, you know, live with their shooting. It's worked pretty well for a decade, right? Yeah, um, no, I mean, I think that's a, that's a story of the, the, like, sort of an unsung story of the Warriors dynasty is, like, the just the, the, the constancy of having kind of the versatile – uh, skilled uh, connector types. Yeah, for sure. And so, so that's kind of, whereas like, I feel like pool's value really shows itself when one of Steph or clay is either out of lineup or off the court. It's like, they finally have a guy who can kind of eat the usage and be the focal point. Even if, you know, he's not as efficient or, you know, a little turn like, I don't think it's really an insult to him to say he's not as good as Steph Curry, but like someone who can, you know, how dare you the, eat the innings, right? Like can, can yeah. be the focal point of the offense in that way. So that's kind of, that's why I feel the way I do. 
So this is a, a, basically a long-winded way of getting to um, they if they want to win a title this year, they need to add at the deadline. I thought they did last year, lol me, but um, even even more so this year. I mean, I thought they like frankly, I thought they they, they might have been a they kind of were a dude short last year, um, but they played well enough that it didn't matter. It, it was close to mattering. This year, they are quite clearly a dude or two short in terms of, as you say, kind of navigating that that you know that that two month process, the two three the two and a half month process of getting from you know might even be I mean maybe the plan to to the to where they want to go. Currently, the five seed, maybe the three seed by next week. Maybe the 13 seed by the yeah, I mean, Exactly. Who knows, right? No, it does feel like they're trending out of the plan, but everything's everything's subject to one, you know, uh, one bad week, right, at this point. Well, you know, if, if you take all the games where they get questionable officiating calls for them and you make, mark them as losses, then where are they? I'm sorry. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unnecessary. Um, so, but... I think they they need to do something. I mean, this is the, I would the, agree the clock you. is ticking. The clock is ticking on the score. First of all, what do you think? Just you know, positionally, role wise, what's the biggest need? Is it another big, or is it is, is somewhere else? I mean, they need the thing that everyone's looking to basically add, which is a big wing. Um, if I, if I could construct the perfect player to add to them, it'd be a another six eight six nine guy who plays. Predominantly the four for the Warriors. You know, he's a wing, though. Like, the role Otto Porter played, the role Harrison Barnes has played in the past, that type of guy. And there's there's different ways to get at it. I think that's more valuable than a pure big man for them. Um, just because if you want to play Draymond at center, you need enough wings around him to make it work. And right now, um, you know, there, Anthony Lamb has punched above his weight, but he's like 6'5 at best. You know, it's like... If you can, if you could upgrade the Lamb rotation minutes uh, to to kind of a, a three four big wing type, I think that's what you want. I mean, you got a good look at a guy that I might recommend for that spot last night, which is uh, Kenrich Williams. Yeah, it didn't seem like they're interested in trading him, right? Not really. Like the, they're, I thought they were going to be a seller, but they're they're kind of too good. They seem uninterested in. Um, Selling for the sake of selling, so yeah. I've I've taken him off the list, but obviously he fits perfectly what they what they need, right? He also fits that like connector type. Of yeah, player and offense, is so. very good rebounder for his size as well, which is which is an important, I think, an important trait for for kind of uh, that that lineup construction for the for the Warriors. The name um, that uh, the name that popped to mind today, uh, just because there's reports that they're willing to trade him for the right young player or pick uh, is Jared Vanderbilt. Um, it's interesting. Fits, he kind of, okay, so it'd be nice if he could shoot, but he's not a shooter. But uh, both defensively and rebounding, and I think he's a good enough passer to fit into what the Warriors want to do. That's a player I could see playing next to Draymond in small ball lineups and being effective for them. So on its face, I see that. I... I mean, I had I had Sarah Todd from the Desert News on on last week, and she was basically like all but running into the Jazz office and demanding they trade Jared Vanderbilt. Not that she, you know, not that he's a bad guy or anything like that, 
but that he is a, a he's he essentially if I had to boil it down he's he is the epitome of a tryhard who people might overrate because they see the visible efforting and the defense uh, isn't as good as the you player, think. The player you like when he's not on your team. Yeah. Like the defense isn't as good as you think because he's the guy who's running around, but he's running around because he's in the, he's not in the wrong positions. He's not in the right position. The the offensive limitations are, in, you know, nobody would ever guard him on, on on the Warriors. And you know they've they've made use of guys that people didn't want to guard, but I think that like uh, Gary Payton, um, he's both a better shooter and probably a better mover off the ball. So yeah. I, it's I you, I understand the appeal, but wonder if he's actually like actually good enough to 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 do that. I mean, I I, I almost think like anything you'd use him for, I just rather play Kaminga. Yeah, that's that's the other side of it. It's like okay, so they need to add another big wing, but in theory, this guy needs to be tangibly better or different than Kuminga because Kuminga's. Um, He's been the one young guy who's, like, shown them something this year, right? And clearly he fits the archetype of uh, a wing who can guard multiple positions. Uh, his athleticism is is very needed on this team. And, you know, there's a lot of upside to be tapped there. So, you know, in theory, Vanderbilt would not make sense because it's like, I don't know how you could play him and Kuminga together. So really all you're doing is blocking Kuminga in some ways, and maybe you should look in a different direction. Anyway, I'll just talk to myself as Seth is on mute. Oh, that's very <laughs> professional of me. You um, you mentioned the the one of the young guys. Yeah, that that's actually so that that sort of leads to. I mean, the title of this episode is um is the ti- Warriors two timelines merging, and it's sort of like I've always thought that the twin timelines was was pretty silly. Um, I think even Kaminga playing well kind of shows why in that a big big part of sort of the distribution of him becoming a good NBA player is him in being more of like a defensive energy type guy than I'm going to be the next star on this team kind of guy. Um, and that's, I think we're seeing more of that. I'm not, I don't know how much we've seen that would lead you to believe that he has a lot of a future as sort of a primary scorer guy, but he's a, he, I think he's a valuable part of this team. But some other guys aren't, and are we ready to see them kind of move on to add what they need to? I mean, ownership doesn't seem ready to. That's the that's the thing. So they they play every they traditionally play these things close to the vest. So would I be shocked if they got involved and made a trade at the last minute? No, um, I would be shocked if they did something that like massively shaked up the team. Uh, but would I also be surprised if they did nothing? No, that's kind of also up their alley. Um, I guess I wanted to ask you this. Why do you think it's not working? Do you think it's a function of maybe you should have drafted better? Like this would work if you pick better prospects? Or is this more of a, you know, your coach isn't really equipped to to do that sort of thing. And maybe other coaches would have an easier time finding a way to insert some young players and get productive minutes out of them. Some of both. I mean, I think that, I think that, you know, the obvious one is, is Franz. You pick, I think, 
I, I think Franz would have been an easy play. And, and it's easy for me to say, I, I did not like Franz as a draft draft prospect. So sure. like, you know, it's, it's so it, it was pretty rich of me to say, well, they should have just taken Franz Wagner. I mean, but in retrospect, I mean, if you think about it, if you liked him, his skill set, everything Very about warriors-y. him suggests that he could, yeah, he could play Warriors basketball. Um, so that's, that's the obvious one. I think Moody is the one more where, you know, Wiseman, I think is just a, just a, 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 an obvious miss. And I think it was, I think it, I think it was a predictable miss at the time because for as much as, as Franz was ready to play Warriors basketball, a guy who has barely played in three years is, is, uh, and that was, you know, entering the draft. I mean, he, he was, he was injured some in, in, in high school and then barely played at Memphis. Um, so, but Moody is the guy who I, you know, I, I don't know if that's if that's just a mispick, misevaluation. He's just not good enough. Uh, Kerr hasn't let him play through his mistakes. The staff has not done a good enough to, to job developing him. Some combination of all those. But I think that that he probably hasn't been given the fairest shake of of the group. Yeah, and and he's he's got the toughest job of the bunch because it's like, all right, so you're a shooting guard. Uh, there's Clay Thompson. There's Jordan Poole. Not really big enough or quick enough to be like a three-four man. Um, so he just has like a tough pathway to get into the rotation. Uh, all in all, though, like I, I don't know. I would. He's in year two. Wiseman's in year three, and it's not that they're disappointing. They don't even play. So I just I don't understand how ownership can continue to kick the can down the road, being like. They're valuable parts of our future. Like, if you feel that way, you should do something with your head coach, or or you're just bluffing. Because, um, I just can't think of players who like outright don't see the court in their first two three years, and then just end up becoming you know really good players. Like, obviously, Jermaine O'Neal is the is the what yes, comes to mind. That's that's the only, and he was younger, and he was a high school player in a different era. So, and he was, yeah. and he was blocked by a team that was pretty good. That had, that was, that had players True. at his position was pretty good. That's a, like, there are minutes to be had on this Warriors team. And instead they're going to, you know, uh, Anthony Lamb and, and I almost said Jeremy Lamb. Um, Ty Jerome. And, uh, and Ty Jerome. Yeah. And Ty Jerome. Um, and like, aside from the fact that, you know, two way players can't play in the playoffs, like, Ty Jerome can't play in the playoffs. Like, <laughs> I, there's, I don't think there's any universe in which Ty Jerome comes into a non-garbage type playoff game and you say anything but, oh, shit. So I don't, I don't totally understand the reliance on those guys, other than the fact that, you know, the standings are bunched and you've got to win every night. But if the difference is that's, like – That's 100% what it is. It's, yeah. Um, we 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 had a free fall to start the season, um, and then Wiggins and Steph got hurt at the same time. And for a team with no depth, that led to a second free fall. Um, they just need to stack wins, and I don't think I don't think Kerr particularly cares about you know front office's uh, development project when he's like trying to get the team above five hundred for the first time all year. Plus, like, yeah. Plus, like, uh, and this is gonna. We'll, we'll get to this in a second. Plus, like, what does he care? What a guy who might not be there next year has to say about anything about who should play? 
but that, that's probably a, that's probably a different dynamic. Um, so we, 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 I think we've mentioned a couple players that you'd be interested in. Is anyone else kind of that has been, you know, rumored or, or makes sense as a possibility out there that uh, kind of floats your boat? I don't, I won't, I won't bring up the, the, uh, the, 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 the saddest trade, the saddest trade that possibly should happen in the NBA, which is Wiseman for Mason Plumley. But you know, <laughs> something that, a trade that actually makes you happy. What sparks joy? <laughs> what players spark joy for you that are out there? I'm uh, I'm intrigued with Jalen McDaniels if they're actually going to trade him. Um, you know, another player who probably looks better when you watch from the outside than watching every game. But long wing, can play defense, can apparently hit an open shot on some level. Um, I, I, it's it's kind of slim pickings, you know. Like there's not a like. Like obviously, like OG would be amazing, um, but that's a that's a price rate. Like I don't even entertain those conversations because I can't imagine a world in which ownership not only um, gives up on all the young players, but gives away the twenty twenty six and twenty twenty eight first round pick. And I think that's honestly like what it would take to pry someone like that away. Um, and that that's ignoring all the luxury tax stuff that would come with bringing him in too. But you know. Th- you tell me. Tell me what other wings are out there that may get traded. Like, you know, Gary Trent Jr. pass, you know. Um, uh, I don't know. Bones Highland, I mean, it's, it's a guard. <laughs> not really needed, right? Not not the like a, a, an amazingly fun player, not the Warriors-iest players, player. It's like um, a fancier Jordan Poole. Yeah, exactly. Sort of <laughs> with this, with like almost accentuated strengths and weaknesses. Correct. Very fun when he's on, though. But yeah. um, but like, I'm, I'm trying to. Th- I mean, who do you think of? Who's who's out there? Like, my issue with someone like Mason Plumley is not that you're incorrect. That he he would tangibly make them better from now until June. Um, I just think when they get to the playoffs, there's not going to be minutes for a third big man. Uh, given the way they want to play. So it's like you're acquiring him and maybe it's worth it. Maybe you're, maybe it is worth it just to like have the certainty you're not in the play in, you know, adding another big body who could just help you grind out a couple extra wins uh, and keep Looney a little fresher and Draymond a little fresher. Um, but it, you know, for, for me, it really is kind of a wing winger bus type of situation. Well, also, if you're that worried about luxury tax, I mean, not having James Wiseman's salary next year. Actually. True. It's like True. It's, I, I think people don't have, still haven't totally realized that in in the current CBA, like rookie contracts used to be dirt cheap, and now like the top picks get expensive. Like he makes over twelve million more next than year. the mid level next year. Yeah, the yeah. full mid level, not the tax level. Yeah. So I, I mean, I again. That's that. That's probably a question of ownership recognition of I think what is obvious to everybody else in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the luxury like I can understand not wanting to pay like a, a, a quadzillion dollars in luxury tax. I, I I can understand that. I would be very tempted by the OG. I would too, because I mean, like even at that price, even you tell like Wiseman, uh, Moody, two first round picks. Is there a better wing to fit the Warriors 
you know, the, the famous small ball Draymond at center lineup than, than OG. Like, it, you know, not really. I mean, he's about as good as it gets. Him and Wiggins, they're both 6'8". They can both guard four positions. Um, he there's might make it all terrifying, the <laughs> yeah, There's some terrifying defensive lineups you guys can put out there. You, you, or th- those guys, sorry. You, I, I thought yeah, you were Fitz. I, 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 I thought you were Fitz on the team for a second there. I know, oh. I know what you. I know what you mean. It's okay. Got, <laughs> it's gonna give. I want. I want his first OG and Obi call. So, yeah. Um, it is. It is. I mean, it is attractive. I think it's. I if I was to guess, it's the giving up, the twenty twenty six when Steph is thirty eight years old, pick, that becomes the non starter for ownership because if you're giving up on the two timeline. You're probably you're admitting that you're going to have to probably rebuild whenever the Steph era is done, um, which is fine. Sorry, that's like how it works for most people, you know. You know, uh, but it's hard to rebuild if you're giving away the picks around the rebuild. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm being too pragmatic. But I can I can understand not wanting to give away picks three to four years down the line if you're going to just gut the whole second timeline. But you know what's cool. You, while you're rebuilding, a bright shiny ring. Maybe you already have enough of them. So I don't know. That's it's, true. It's, that's true. I mean, the more of them, the more of them you have, the more equity you have to string out the rebuild longer. Yeah, that's true. This is this is. I mean, this is an article I you know I get I get into with people here in Milwaukee. It's like, oh, but then down the future, it's like, who gives a crap about the future? Like, you know, you, you 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 can win a title this year or you can not, and then you know. That as we've seen with like you know championship level teams throughout NBA history, it kind of not it all at once, but they're pretty good and dangerous, and no one wants to play them. And they're a feisty veteran team, and they lose in five games in the conference finals. Like, yeah, I think that's that 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 I think that sums up sort of the just out of their window, like dynastic team. Unless they completely yeah. blow up, like a you know, like a like a Bulls or a, or a, a Heat, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean you're right. Like even I think about those uh, those KG Celtics teams, like they you know they put up a couple fights after their main window, and like you thought it was there, but then the reality of them all being 36 or whatever yep. would would rear its head in a playoff series, and and that's just kind of that's just kind of how it goes. It's not that they can't beat you one on a, any given night; it's that doing it for two months in a row is very hard. Yeah. The, I mean, the late, aught, late aughts Pistons were, were the same. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So is there, are there just other, other kind of, you know, smaller things floating around? Like I think just picking up a rotation piece would be, would be, and admitting, knowing that it doesn't like, I think a big would help them, but fine. If you want like a, like a, another ball handler or a wing like that could work too. Well, I wonder what, so I wonder what happens with the Jay Crowder situation. I can't imagine Phoenix doing a direct trade with the Warriors unless they, you know, got something really sweet out of it. It's just unlikely. Um, But if they end up moving Crowder to like a rebuilding team and he gets bought out, that's, I mean, that's obviously the scenario the Warriors want which is they don't have to give anything up and they get a player. But have you heard that he went to Marquette? 
<laughs> I'm just oh, like if in, in this scenario where Jay Crowder gets gets spot out, I think the contract uh, may have you. already been signed. I hear you. Yeah, because they're already trying to trade for him. You're saying you're saying uh, a one team in Milwaukee is top of the list. I I I would I, I think it would be highly likely if he were to engineer a buyout, it would be to sign with the with the adopted yeah. hometown Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I can see that. That's that that makes that makes a ton of sense. Um, well, that's I mean, he's he's he, he is openly <laughs> pining for a return to Milwaukee. Like he's he's having you know an online bromance with the Marquette coach Shaka Smart. So I mean, we're it's it, 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 it is unsubtle the campaigning. Yeah, and and that makes sense. It's like if he gets bought out, every contender will offer him a vet minimum. So it's like, where does he want to go, right? And and you know, and the fact of the matter is, is most of the time when guys get bought out, they don't get bought out and then choose. They get bought out to go somewhere. True. Um, not, it's not, like that, pretty, not that there would be tampering, break. but yeah, yeah. Um, it's like you know, oh, we can get him bought out. That that may or may not be the way it's discussed in in in, in the room. Um, so <laughs> I think I I think that you know. There's some guys out there. You hope they get one, but almost the, the bigger question at the deadline is to, uh, is you know, and it, it impacts. I think it, it it impacts the future of this team, or maybe it reveals the future of this team more. Because I think the the if if Bob Myers isn't there, that is a, an indication that the team is kind of switching gears almost. Because if they're going to keep rolling it out there, you'd think he'd want to be there and see it through. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. Like, because I could talk myself in a different directions with that one. It would feel that way. It would seem like if Bob's going to leave, that's like, you know, the first domino to fall in terms of them kind of trying to gracefully shut the, you know, shut the book on this chapter of Warriors history. Um, on the other hand, like, there's kind of too many indications this could just be Bob. He's kind of a he's. I, I'll, I'll put it this way: I, he's not Jerry West. You know what I mean? Like he's not he's not going to be doing this until he's 80 years old for no reason, just because like he doesn't know how to live with himself if he's not, uh, you know, if he's not in the uh, in the trenches, so to say. Right? Like it would not shock me if he was just kind of like burnt out and wanted to just step away, and you know. Uh, just you know, become like the 80th former warrior to have a podcast. Sure, though I mean, having having you know played played pickup basketball with him at Sloan once or twice, uh, he is an insane competitor, um, which is is probably unsurprising. Like he I, he probably he doesn't really that that's not not something he shows publicly. Sure. But having having seen that and kind of heard tales from like Warrior staff games, like there is that kind of. You know, I, it, it, uh, I hate to lose more than I like to win, so I have to keep doing this kind of kind of thing. Um, so I I, I, I wouldn't want to write that off of him being, you know. I just, mean, just, a lot of people say it's not about the money, but it's always a little about the money. It's always a little bit. And I, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, the the money is the money is 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 at this point like scorekeeping. It's like right. this is what you think. This is what you think of me. And yeah. you, you know you you value you value me enough to give me well if Tim Connolly gets that yeah in Minnesota 
Like, the 10% salary increase isn't demonstratively changing his life. It's just it's just about the scoreboard and letting everyone know that he's the top dog. Yeah, I think that's right. So what, I mean, like, again, putting your, putting your, uh, your, 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 I don't know, your crystal ball face. I don't even know what that is. Like, getting your crystal ball out. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what, like, is Bob Myers the general manager of the Warriors next year? I think yes, and it's mostly because four years ago, he was about to leave for the Lakers. Same thing, 2019, dynasty ending, makes total sense for him to walk away. The flirtation was very public. I think Ramona Shelbourne wrote about how it was like a done deal, basically. Uh, And, you know, he ended up re-signing. So part of me just thinks, um, you know, once an agent, always an agent, and he's going to play his leverage a little bit. So I kind of think he's going to end up coming back, uh, but maybe make people sweat it out. Because last time, last time he didn't, he didn't until the Sure. So I think it, 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 so right now we're just getting a lot of, a lot of posturing and not a lot of real info. Yeah. I mean, it's it, he apparently has a, a standing offer for Joe Lacob, who would have no reason to manipulate the facts. Um, and um, the more you pay your GM, you get to take that off of your luxury tax bill. I think that's, that's that, that that would be the way that that would be the way to get get him paid is is anything to cut that luxury tax bill. <laughs> uh, but and, and Myers like, oh, I don't want to be a distraction. I'll deal. I'll make. A decision when it's time. So I, did, I, think, I don't. I don't want to be a distraction here. Let me go. Let me start a new podcast. Yeah, uh, exactly. Just that is uh, chatting with Steph Curry and Gavin Newsom. I wonder who's uh, next week. Now I, I yeah. just, you know, we'll see yeah. which way it goes. <laughs> uh, Char- Charlie, that is uh, Bruce Part now playing piano in the background. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Dad duty. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it uh, they're, they're a constant joy. Um, <laughs> so what is, you know, him, him leaving, do they go out just in the scenario that, that he, that he goes, do they go out and, and hire someone else or does, or, or does, does uh, Kirk Lakeup take over? Uh, they, they go get, they go get Brad Stevens. They shake up the, no. Um, I think, I would be surprised if they went external. Um, I I think I think it would be Mike Dunleavy. That's just my honest opinion. Interesting. I think Kirk is already the shadow GM, so you know might as well just continue being. No, but like they've they've kind of been transparent about how he's more on the pathway to replace, uh, you know, to take over when Joe eventually retires. Then, um, uh, you know, basketball ops could be wrong right. there. He's highly involved in basketball ops, but it seems it seems like there's some awareness that, you know, um, if you're trying to skirt the nepotism allegations, um, this would not be the way to do it, you know? So I, I mean I think that that like in, in fairness, um, I think that if there is like owner's kid who's done the work, I think that that like the, the top of that, that leaderboard is 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 Kirk Lakeup. So I don't uh, I have nothing negative. To say. So yeah, no, I mean, I totally get it. It's just I've, the the impression I've gotten in the way um, people who are 
plugged in continually talk about it tends to be more along the lines of he's they're they're probably not going to go that route because he's probably going to end up being the you know whatever the term is governor managing general partner i'm sure there'll be a new term by the time he takes over so but basically you know he'll be he'll be the guy sitting courtside making hilarious faces when things don't go bad i mean just just from just from a uh a life standpoint i think that's a lot better <laughs> and it's like i wait I, I still get to sit in the draft room and the the trade war room and 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 make the final call and i don't have to do all this other stuff yeah no i'll take that i can travel with the team anything like yeah i get all the good stuff and none of the grind I, yeah I, it's, a win, I, it's a win-win yeah it really is um well, cool. Anything else we should we should hit on about the the Warriors per se? Well, I want to ask you who would you yeah. outside of outside of Mason Plumley of <laughs> the the players who we think will be moved? Who would you like to see the Warriors acquire? Who do you think would meaningful like who who would them acquiring um, outside of OG Anobi? Who it goes without saying because he's just a a class higher than the players are probably talking about. Um, would you be like, you know what? I think they have a very good chance now to get out of the West and who knows what happens if they get to the finals. I mean, there's levels to this. Like I think Alec, Alec Burks would help them. Like oh. I. If, warrior, if, warrior legend Alec Burks. I, I mean, it, it's, yeah. I mean, he was, he was there during the, everyone's not favorite time, but that's not really on, not, not on him. Um, I don't know. There's like, it's Gary Harris is a name that's out there. I'm not sure what he does for him. Um, yeah, exactly. I just don't know where those players slot in when you already have Jordan Poole and Dante DiVincenzo, um, as your backup guard. And like, granted, Clay's going to, you know, play the three half as minutes anyway, but like, I just don't know where kind of, you know, those guys are more, twos than three fours yeah. uh, i mean if if uh, it's probably hard to work a deal given who the other team is but if dallas is looking to trade dorian finney smith sure i know he's i i know he's not the the most warriorsy player in terms of like his on he is defensively stuff. though yeah and can and like he's had a bad year but i've 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 long been an admirer of his game so no, I, I mean that's a, I, I i think he would um yeah, he's kind of a clunky fit offensively, but um, he can hit an open shot, or at least he used to be able to. And um, he rebounds and really defends, and he can defend multiple positions. Like, I would be very happy with a player like that added to yeah. the next. Yeah. Uh, Charlie is asking about Rudy Gay. And, again, if you if you heard my pod with Sarah Todd last week, uh, the answer to that is conclusively no. Plus, he's not a good vibes guy, so – I think at this point, he's if not playing, not a good vibes guy. So that's probably a tough ad for a team that's trying to, to I, try to do something. I would just, I just don't want to sign players older than Steph Curry. Like they already have Iguodala. I, I always forget he's on the roster. That's a, <laughs> because he, that's a great name. Abdurrahman is the name I wanted to, to bring up in the comments. Nasreed. Um, Ooh, I think that's an interesting one. Yeah, I I don't think he's going to get moved because I'm not sure that that uh, 
I'm not sure Minnesota's really ready to make it, make it, they're going to make a decision by not making a decision. Almost got it. Kick the, like they're basically seeing what's out there, but they're not going to do anything with it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I mean, if you, if you're going to keep Nas Reed, you have to trade towns. Like you have to yeah. plan to trade towns in the off season. And I don't think they're at the point of doing that. So then now they're just going to, bring themselves to a point where they can't keep Nas Reed because he's going to get, he's going to get mid-level money ish this summer. And then you're, then you're spending, if you're Minnesota, you've got like 80 million a season in centers. That doesn't seem like a good plan. Zigging on everyone's eggs. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yes, I suppose. Um, it, but, and maybe it'll work for us. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Is there? The, I mean, it's again. It's it, there. They are in the spot where, as you put it, like that. That six and a half, seven guys in the rotation. Maybe seven and a half, if you want to. If you want to, you know, give some weight to Kaminga, you do have to, have to get a pretty good player to add to that. Though wondering if if just having like the ninth guy available who you can trust just has some value, even just early rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's like you can you could say someone like uh, Mason Plumley. Well, he's not seeing the floor once you get to the past the, con- the you know get to the conference finals. Well, you got to get there first. So, um, if if that's the sort of thing that keeps Draymond's back from tightening up because he doesn't have to play forty minutes a game, then it's probably worth it. You know. So I mean, are you? Those- are, I mean, also like. I mean, the Nuggets are a team that's out there. Wouldn't you – do you really want to commit to having to play small and only small against the Nuggets? You got Looney. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, I think that you, you have to figure that there's going – if you're you're starting Looney there, he's going to be in foul trouble three times in seven games at least. Looney doesn't foul. Uh, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Uh, I mean – it's a fair point. I, I just like it. Like I said, I'd still rather go with the, the wing personally. Sure. Uh, but you know, it's like adding a player is better than not adding a player. Like you, yeah. the, the alternative is the player you have on your roster who your coach does everything in his power to not play. You know, it's right. my favorite. My favorite thing this season was um, two weeks ago, Steve Kerr, cannot stop telling everyone how worried he is about Draymond and Looney's health. Uh, you know, he's basically begging the front office to, to get him, get him someone. So he doesn't have to just rely on the two of them, you know, because for obvious, obvious reasons. Um, and then Wiseman comes back and he's asked why he doesn't play. He's like, no minutes. We have too many bigs. <laughs> <laughs> so literally nothing's changed other than, he came back. So, uh, you know, it's just reading between the lines and also knowing hyper-competitive coaches don't not play players they think can help them. So, Well, and yeah. he has given – he, you know, I, I feel like all the, the slack that, that Moody should have gotten, like, was used up by, by Wiseman. Yeah, Wiseman's the one who, who made it – who ruined it for all the other kids. Yeah, I think – I mean, I think – I mean, and again, I, 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 I've, I've, I feel bad for Wiseman because it's not, he's being, he's being put in a, he has not been put in a position to succeed at any point in his Warriors career. 
not uh, least of which, not least of which, I because think, the the expectations of of well, no, we can't trade him because he's going to be great. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, just we turn got on last a, year. Just turn on a Warriors broadcast and listen to Bob Fitzgerald. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, he should teach a class in how best things, best prospects since Alan Smiley. Each correct. Yeah, correct. Uh, anyway. Um, let's, let's, let's finish up by, uh, by doing a little bit of business and, uh, um, you know, talking about the, the, the stuff that, that we have going on together a little bit. So you, uh, tell the folks listening about playback and kind of what's going on. Yeah. Playback's a live streaming platform that allows you to watch NBA games with other people and, um, you know, uh, stream yourself on top of it almost like create your own Manning cast or Twitch for live sports. Um, so you've been hosting on there and I've been enjoying the nerder rooms with you and Mo. Uh, but I have a room that goes every game um, for light years. We watch every Warriors game in there and it, it's, it's a really fun way to watch a game. Uh, it's almost like an online sports bar. You know, you're sitting there, you're, you're having those side conversations um, that you or I would have if we were watching a game in the same room together uh, much more enjoyable than like, you know, watching a game and pulling out your phone and texting in like Discord or Twitter or something like that and not looking at the screen. And yeah, that's that's what we're doing. We're trying to get more people on the platform. Uh, you can create your own room and, and host away. It's it reminds me of, you know, the the perhaps the only good thing about the first days of the pandemic was everyone doing like the 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 zoom drinks that with, with you know the the oh, hanging yeah. out with people happy yeah. Yeah, zoom happy hour but but with basketball also um yeah. it, it it reminds me that it's just it they've like mo and i've been doing them we have gone on to we've we've been uh planning to do one game and then we end up like going for three and a half hours just bouncing between games and it feels like it feels like it's taken about 15 minutes um yeah so i mean i, I think that you know, that's honestly my favorite part about it. The ability to switch streams. I find myself like, I may think I want to watch a certain game, but you and I know how the NBA is on a nightly basis. Denver comes out and hits 15 threes in the first quarter. Well, I guess tonight's not going to be competitive, but Minnesota and Sacramento are like tied in the third and I'm, I'm flipping over there, you know? So you, you kind of get that, um, red zone type feel when you're doing that. And it, and it goes so quick when you're watching that way. The, it's funny. The first, the first three games Mo and I have planned to do, we, we did a quick audible because every, I, we're basically, if you want players to, to load manage, have Mo or Mo and I plan to, to do the game on playback. And we will guarantee you that there will be stars sitting. It's, 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 uh, it's incredible. Um, so I, uh, you should, you should, uh, every, every Warriors game, the, the light years group, uh, does one. I've, I, I've, I found myself sitting in with them once and then, uh, Mo and I have, it is Mo and I have been going uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. So, uh, on, uh, playback.tv swing through and give it a look. Absolutely. Everyone check it out. Uh, Seth, appreciate you for having me. No, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, this is, this is the, uh, an enjoyable back half of a home and home. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, yeah. I look forward to coming on and trying to rationalize no move being made in a week or two. <laughs> That's right. Uh, th- thanks, Sam, for, for coming on. Thanks, folks, for listening. I will be back. I think I am back tomorrow with Schmidt Dua to talk uh, Pelicans, speaking of a team that has been 
whacked by the injury bug and might have some interesting stuff to do with the trade deadline. So folks, thanks for listening. Uh, talk to you all then. Take care.